Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. Hey, my name's Mike. Hi, Mike. Crap, something just you got out of my pocket. stuff falling all over the place yeah. as we get started. Good start to the show. This is so unprofessional. Very unprofessional. We, I apologize. You shouldn't apologize. I should. It's all on me. So how are you doing today, babe? I'm doing all right. We're recording this uh, evening early. Yeah. Um, we've been baking at our son's baseball game today. It Holy was smokes. So freaking hot in Florida. Who, like, did, who thought that Florida would be so hot? Who the hell knew moving to Florida that it'd be, it gets hot in Florida? Yeah, yeah, weird. I apologize for anybody who's still in cold and winter and stuff. It's officially like summer down here. Yeah, it's it was registering 90 degrees on my car today. So yeah, I'm sure people in North are like, shut up. Uh, shut yeah, the hell yeah, up. We've, had, we've seen snow and stuff like I think your cousin in, in South dakota oh she's seen nothing but snow yeah yeah it's tough up there so. but she got to see the northern lights this week pretty awesome that is like way up high on my bucket list yeah and i was like oh is this something that happens every year they're like no never before we've never seen it's them amazing pretty cool um yeah that's pretty fun so how are you um good just taught a bunch of well coached a bunch of 11 to 12 to 16 year old boys what are they 12 to 16 i think uh, it's a big range because we had to combine two leagues mm-hmm. but uh, yeah i was out there all day and uh, just had myself a protein shake because that's what like ripped guys do yeah so, so you're just pumping iron you're going to the yeah. gym after this yeah i figure i don't have to do much more than just drink po- protein that's shakes. it just drink protein shakes you can eat all the burgers you want all the fries you want you don't have to work out nothing you just drink those protein shakes and you look like arnold schwarzenegger just waiting for it to happen now anytime <laughs> i just gonna wake up and be like holy cow i got six pack abs <laughs> you know this woman used to work for my parents and she would drink slim fast with her lunch yeah. and her lunch would consist of beef sandwiches and french fries yeah beef sandwich is something on chicago if you haven't been there it's a fantastic yes but um and she would drink the slim fast as her beverage to go along with her probably i'd say 900 calorie lunch that's not gonna work and i remember i was probably only 15 at the time and i looked at her and in my head i'm like that doesn't seem right (laughs) but more power to her she must know what she's doing she's an adult oh yeah um good times yeah besides that um yeah i I think uh this week we're gonna do a a segment that we don't do often only when it's necessary is uh, Allison's Amazon addiction. Yes. You got something that you'd like to talk about. I do. So we aren't paid. I mean, actually, if you buy a, the link through our, our show notes, we are paid for it, but it's not like advertised or anything. Anytime we have something that's like something worth bringing up, we do it's it. It's just because we want to. Yeah. So um, podcasting, you know, takes a lot of research and our house can be chaotic. Like our house is like sleepover central. So there's times when it's chaotic. I just need to get away to do research. So I'm like, I want a desk in our room, but I don't want it to take up a lot of space. Hmm, let me think. And this chick is just addicted to things on the wall. I do. Well, it's like if you go into Ikea, they're going to maximize their space by using the vertical space. We have a shelf right here on the wall. That's yeah, I from do Ikea. hate that sh- shelf, though. So anyway, I like to maximize my vertical space. So I got a mounted desk that goes on the wall and then it folds up so that it's like out of sight, out of mind. And we're going to have to take a picture of it because it's that darn precious. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And we both, you know, you, you helped me put it together. Mm-hmm. So that made things pretty quick. And just you find a couple studs in the wall and it hangs pretty easily. Yeah, so, so if your kids need a like homework nook and you don't want to dedicate floor space with a desk, this is your perfect option. Yeah, it's pretty pretty nice. It was smaller than I thought it would be. It, I mean, it, it's kind of the space, size of a cabinet. I it's guess. all you need for your laptop. That's, yeah. You can't really take a lot of notes on it if you have a computer but 
for my research, this is the thing for me. Good for space saving. So check yeah. it out in the show notes. Yeah. Um, outside of that, um, I'm going to read a, I, I want to say, you know, a good way to support us if you don't want to become a patron is to leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of those uh, things you're listening to us on. And I just want to read one of them for you uh, because I thought, uh, you know, you get an example. You're like, okay, what kind of writing should I leave there? You know, I don't want something long and drawn out. It's like, no, it could be nice and simple. Something like this from T. Lemming. Great investigating and intelligent telling. Who knew you could do a deep diving and witty podcast without offensive words? Well, thanks. Occasionally, if it seems like it's necessary, we might drop an F-bomb. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's never going to happen because it definitely does, but it's usually towards the uh, piece of crap murderers. I'm one of those people that I think swearing can sound super, super trashy, but if I get fired up... Oh, boy. Watch out. She'll come after you. I I go at the F-bombs. Yeah, you do. You do. So, so that's all and right. if you're watching YouTube, our puppy is just sprawled across. I actually had to move her ear because it was across my uh, iPad thing. Kindle. Yeah. Well, she was pawing at you. She's like, I don't want this. <laughs> she was head. knocking my microphone like, pet me. Yeah. Um, and I do want to say I've been on top of things with the YouTube channel. So I think pretty much most of our episodes mm-hmm. that we've done since adding YouTube are up there. So he's like, Emerald, he just kicked it up a notch. Yeah. Bam. 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 <laughs> just kicked Pop, it up a notch. Poppy's like, excuse me, I'm sleeping. Yeah. Sorry, babe. So um, I'm ready if you are. Always ready. So as per usual, oh, we've real been. Quick. Oh, I want to add that I'm wearing our uh, Crime and Coffee Couple t-shirt. You are. So if you want merchandise, you can go ahead and buy it your own it's yeah. in the uh, in the link link tree so it says link tree it's kind of links to everything like instagram twitter all that any crap. of our pages yeah and if you want to give us a, any case to study yes then go ahead and go in that link tree instagram is probably the best but you can also get us on patreon and a tiktok i replied to one the other yeah. Day. yeah so this is a listener suggestion and this is from scarlet thank you so much i always love that name scarlet yeah uh what is it gone with the wind mm. i always think of that book i read that when i was a teenager it was like super super thick it was an accomplishment and you liked through. it I did. I yeah. did like it. Yeah. I think. Were you in college when you read that? No, I was in high school. Okay. I lived with my parents. I thought I remember you going through it again. Yeah. So thank you, Scarlett, for this. And this is a very sad, just completely unnecessary story um, that we shouldn't even be talking about right now, but we are. Um, and we know these stories end so tragically, and this one is not not away from that. So this is the deaths of Janelle Hornicle and Michael Wamsley. So the weather in Omaha, Nebraska, it was treacherous. It was Tuesday, January 4th, 2005. There was a snowstorm, and the temperature with the wind chill was about negative 10. Jan- uh, Janelle Hornicle and her boyfriend, Michael Wamsley, were heading home from Kearney, Nebraska, back to where they lived to their apartment in Omaha. So it was a 186 mile drive. They were both 20 years old at the time when they got stuck in the storm. Oof, man, that's a tough drive. So, storm. oh, it's, you know, we grew up in Illinois and I went, we both went to Northern Illinois University. I had to commute for a year and you know, we're in cornfields with the snow and the trucks are whizzing by and it's it's terrible to drive in a snowstorm. It's like you always feel like you're not going fast enough because all the trucks are flying by. It's like, I, I'm not going any faster than this, No, man. because you don't have control. Right. You hit a patch of ice and you're, you're done. You're, you're done. So, you know, they're making this long drive in just absolutely horrible weather because, again, it was 186 miles that they were driving. So Michael was born in Denver, Colorado on October 7th, 1984. To parents Stephen and Gabby, he had two older brothers. The family moved to rural Ord, Nebraska, it's O-R-D, Nebraska, when he was six years old. He dropped out of high school. He worked in landscaping during the summer months. He loved working on old cars. 
The couple had been dating for about a year at this point. They were both working for the Timberline Total Solutions Telemarketing Company. That's a lot of teas. Mm-hmm. So throughout the course of the evening, the couple made five extremely strange and frantic phone calls to 911. They say it was at least five. So I listened to um, partial. There's no the 911 calls aren't fully released. You can hear parts of them. So I put together what I could um, based on the phone calls because it was like I wasn't sure which information came from what call. Why aren't they fully released? Oh, because I don't of know. Investigation? Maybe? No, because this was in 2005. That's it's. it's close there's nothing else to investigate but regardless it was at least five calls they were strange they were frantic and they were asking for help and finding their way home despite their truck having more than a half tank of gas as well as janelle's a cell phone and additional warm clothing inside they left it behind they set off on foot so So you think obviously yeah did they run out of gas like why would you need to leave your car mm -hmm. um they were so they were like lost and I'm just trying to trying to think. Well, this. you're going to get all the information you need. Okay. So when the 911 dispatchers began receiving calls, it became very clear that something was not right. Michael at one point told them that they came across hundreds of bystanders that didn't speak English. Janelle reported that others were taking cars apart and putting them in the trees. Wow. So something definitely mentally off. Something's going on here. So Janelle was born on March 23rd, 1984 in Grand Island, Nebraska to parents Kent and Twyla. She had two older sisters and an older brother. She also had another sister who died as an infant who was born in 1979, five years before Janelle was born. Uh. So terrible. She grew up um, just like Michael did. She grew up in Ord, Nebraska. At this point, she had everything going for her. She was a junior at Creighton University in Omaha, which is 185 miles from where she she grew up in Ord. So she was a member of a sorority. She was also involved in a business fraternity and she also worked. So she was busy. Yeah. She was a go-getter. Her family described her as a star athlete. She was also involved in drama club. She sang in the choir. She was also a cheerleader. She had Jeez. known Michael for a very long time because they both grew up in the same town. Um, they met when they were in seventh grade. So they knew each other for basically forever, but they had only been dating, you know, romantically for about a year at this point. And Janelle's former college roommate and friend, Danielle, had said that the two were always together. Um, Janelle would wake up at 5 a.m. just so she could call Michael to talk before he left for his early work schedule. You know how it is when you're first dating, like you just can't get enough of each other. <laughs> Remember those days? I do. You used to be on the phone for hours, fall asleep on the phone. <laughs> I do we still talk on the phone um you know a lot when i'm at work but like when you're on a business trip oh i'd be like enough of this what are we doing here come on all right good night i love you well Sweet dreams now i call you and we chat for like maybe 15 minutes or well, something well, yeah but by back then it was hours and hours hours we would fall anything. asleep on the phone with each other yeah so she would definitely i mean the, at this point in their relationship they just want to hear each other's voice mm-hmm. just like there's nothing better so when janelle relocated to omaha to go to college michael followed her and i believe that this is when they started living together but i can't be sure about that so at 7 30 p.m they were pulled over they were in the small town of geneva which is 100 miles west of omaha and the reason why the officer pulled them over was because they had failed to use their turn signal as well as a tail light was out so michael was the driver of the car at the time this was caught on video surveillance but the weather you could see in the video was just not good uh you really couldn't see anything but an officer like hazily standing by a car so they told the officer that they were lost they told 
him that they were going south, but Omaha was east. The officer told them that. He's like, you're not going the right way right now. And um, Michael asked the officer where Pacific Street was. The officer seemed a little confused. He asked him, like, you mean here in Geneva? And Michael told him that the street was in Omaha. But again, you need to remember that they're going a hundred miles west of Omaha. Yeah. And he's asking where the small street is in Omaha. Well, the cop's like, east. Just go yeah. east and you'll find he's it, I'm like, sure. We're in Geneva. You're going south, you need to go east. So they were given a warning ticket with directions how to get back to the highway. And that was it. They were released from the police. And at this point... They were actually about 120, 100 to 120 miles from their apartments. So we have a little hint that there's some, you know, questions being asked that aren't really sensible. They're not, they're not lining up. So five hours later, they were only 23 miles from home. Their truck spun off the road in the early morning hours of January 5th at 1230 a.m. Janelle made the first call to 911 and the bizarre stories began. She told the dispatcher that she was at the Mandalay Apartments, and this is where they live in Omaha. That's the name of their complex. But they weren't in Omaha. They were not. They were 23 miles outside. So um, she tells the dispatcher, dispatcher, there's a lot of Mexicans and African-Americans. They're all dressed up in like these cult outfits. They're moving all the vehicles. And she said they wouldn't let them out, that they had locked us all in here. And she said... And who's us? Um, meaning her and Michael. Okay. So this was when she told the dispatcher that people were taking the cars apart and putting them in the trees. To describe her location, she told the dispatcher, the trees above the Mandalay. So she was referencing, again, her apartment complex, which is called Mandalay on Pacific. Again, Michael had asked, where's Pacific? Sure. So Michael could be heard in the background yelling, get us an officer here now. And when they were asked how many people are out there, because, you know, again, she's saying they're taking the cars apart and putting them in the tree. You hear Michael in the background saying about 100 or 200. Wow, that's quite a crowd. So the dispatcher said said that the police would come out to the Mandalay apartments, but they're like, you have to be patient. The weather is terrible. It's going to take some time. Like in the middle of this snowstorm, they're saying that there's like 200 people out there hanging pieces of a car in a tree. Yes, and you can tell that the dispatcher was confused by what was being said. Who wouldn't be? Yeah. So Janelle asked the woman if they could send a helicopter to go over the trees. The dispatcher again was confused. And she said, you know, first of all, what people are you referring to? And Janelle is, you know, saying, well, they're hiding it in the trees. They're breaking them down and stuff. Clearly the Mexicans and the African-Americans. Yes. Yeah. And the dispatcher was baffled when Janelle said that the cars were being hidden in the trees. She told the dispatcher that she was going to have to start running. She's going to have to get out of her vehicle. And she ended the call. The fear of the people that Janelle and Michael believed, they truly believed that these people were out there in the snowstorm. They drove these people, these so-called people, drove them out of the safety and the warmth of their truck and into the frigid blizzard. Wow. So this is where everything goes downhill very quickly. So I'm just going to say this sounds like a uh, another case of that, like, you know, uh, craziness and two, not Fully craziness. Folia do? Yeah. Yes. Like folly of two. And or... you'll hear everything that goes on okay. and why. So authorities were confused by the couple's reports of being in Omaha, again, at that that they were at their apartment complex since Janelle's cell phone signal was coming from Sarpy County, Nebraska. Despite the question of location, police were sent to the Mandalay Apartments they found no sign of them for good reason. They weren't there. 
So Nebraska, they say, is only one, and this is at the time, was only one of nine states that didn't have an up-to-date GPS tracking system for cell phones. So operators weren't able to pinpoint their location. However, it's kind of confusing because as I looked more into that, articles from like 2022 were saying that they can't pinpoint you. They're going to take whatever cell phone tower you're triangulating from, and it's going to be off a little bit. Well, triangulation, three different like cell phone towers sure. so it's like they, you're in this area and, somewhere and they're gonna see where you're pinging closer to but it's not gonna necessarily be exact no but in general area yeah and there was like a story about a woman who didn't know the address to the soccer field that her husband had had a heart attack on and the dispatchers couldn't find them and the husband died from the heart attack so it's they're working on it still and your phone companies are trying to work on it but the more rural of a location that you're in when this is happening wait you're saying right now still they don't have it yes These are the things they're still saying in all the articles I was reading up to date that they still can't necessarily pinpoint your exact location. And um, they were saying when you're in a rural area, the cell phone towers are fewer and farther between, making it that much harder. So instead of triangulating, it's like a circulating. So it's probably a bigger area and it's like less accurate. So their calls were bouncing off of various towers in different counties. It was making it impossible to accurately find them. Sarpy County covers 248 square miles. They basically were comparing it to a needle in a haystack in order to find them in the midst of of nighttime, they had many strikes against them. They were rural. They were in a snowstorm. It was dark out. Yeah, and I don't know if maybe if I'm too technical, tell me shut up. But like, so there's three. Like, if you're in a place that has a lot of cell phone towers, you 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 can probably like right now our cell phones are probably connected to three or four different cell phone towers. Right. The main one, you, you know, being the one that we would talk through, but putting all that information together can tell you generally where somebody sure. is generally they were saying in like between 30 and 300 feet or something yeah. like that whereas rural you're connected to one right if that cell phone tower is done that so like that one can't say which direction it just no. knows it sent out a signal and you returned it it doesn't maybe it might say within 60 miles of this radius right so it's, yeah right and again it was snowing like crazy and, and it was dark it doesn't make sense for cell phone companies to add more towers because it's too expensive right it's it'd be great if they could just somehow tap into your cell phone's GPS system and be like, you're right here. It'd be an invasion of privacy. So at 1.05 a.m., Michael called 911 and told the dispatcher that they had left their truck, but continued to insist that they were near the Mandalay Apartments. They said maybe three blocks away and that they were out in the cold, walking, and at risk for freezing to death. A third call was placed at 1.30, about 25 minutes later, by Michael. He told the dispatcher that they were out by the gravel pit and they were freezing to death. Did they recognize them as calling in again? Yes. Uh, So it was various dispatchers were picking up this call, but it was like, I think about right around three consistently were receiving the calls. So he told them that the car broke down and he was calling from a glass four by four toll booth like shack. He told them that the closest street to what he believed was their location was by the apartments. The dispatcher named Patty Vilberg, I'm sorry, Viberg, told him that they had already sent an officer to that location. They weren't there. We can't find you. He told her that his pickup truck had been stolen and he had to go find it. So there's different stories happening because there was one that said the car broke down. Another is saying the car was stolen. 
So Michael continued to beg for help, and he definitely sounded desperate in a lot of these calls. He was freezing. It was it was very, very cold. It was very hard to listen to because they were scared. And there was wind and all sorts of things around them, and so it wasn't like a joking thing. It this was, was they, not a joke. They truly felt in danger. They, they were feeling like their lives were at risk and that these people were out there and they were at danger. They believed the things that they were saying. Mm. It was really, really sad. sad and hard to listen to. And, you know, he's begging for help. He's telling the dispatcher that they were freezing to death. The dispatcher explained that if they were standing at 75th and Poppleton, as they said that they were, they wouldn't have to walk far to find help because there was plenty of places there. And she's basically telling him, getting kind of frustrated and desperate at this point, Michael, I can't help you if you're not going to help yourself. Well, Omaha is big city. Yeah, and there were definitely people in the comment sections of the different YouTube videos I listened to that they didn't appreciate the way that this woman spoke to him and said, I can't help you if you're not going to help yourself. But again, she's believing he's in the middle of a town with like homes and apartments and things. Yeah, she's not a psychologist to think that he's having a breakdown or something. She's like, you're telling me you're here and you're not. So you're lying to me, basically. So And how can I help you if you're giving me false information? Like, I'm here. I'm trying to help you. I don't want you to be out in the cold. So it was just a terrible situation. And when she said this, Michael just ended the call. During another call, Michael said that officers needed to come farther south to open the gates. And they said, you know, there's there's no gates in this area. But regardless, another officer was dispatched to the apartment complex. Again, there was no sign of Michael and Janelle. Because you don't want to be that time where he's no. like saying accurately where he is. And it's like, what? They didn't come. Right. And you're like, well, we didn't dispatch anyone. We already did. And then they, you know, they're out there. Yeah. So several area 911 dispatchers began to communicate with each other. They were trying to find the couple's location. They began to talk about what could possibly be going on at this point, And they suspected that... That drugs were contributing to the confusion. Sure. They also tossed around the idea because, you know, again, maybe they got into a car accident. Maybe they had a concussion, a head injury. Yeah. Maybe they were so cold and dealing with hypothermia that they weren't, you know, dealing on all cylinders at this point. So there were, you know, various ideas in mind as to what could be happening. It's pretty awesome. They're all communicating and trying to brainstorm and figure this out together. I mean, who wants this innocent couple to, you know, be in, in trouble? Yeah, when they, especially when they sound like so in distress. Yeah, they did. They, you know, and they sounded like sweet people. It was very, it was very sad. 40 minutes later, Michael placed a fourth call at 1.45 a.m. He told the dispatcher that two people were flashing a light on top of the shack. Patty told him to go talk to those people, and Michael told her that they not only asked them for help, they begged them. She told them to hand the phone to them. She's like, just hand them the phone, okay? Because she's thinking in her, in her head, like, what people are out in the storm? Well, she's probably thinking, I can't get anything out of this guy. If he can I, find somebody who somebody, thinks is doing something, then at least I could talk to somebody that knows where they are. Get some kind of, like logical information that we can actually help you somebody would be like hey i don't know these people are just like lost and you know i'm in this place okay so she's saying you know hand the phone to them michael okay and he said he didn't think that they spoke english and he couldn't make it that far because they have all kinds of dogs 
On one call, dispatcher Patty urged him to go back to the truck because of the cold temperatures outside. He told her that it was rolled over on its top. And Patty doesn't know what the truth is. So she's worrying, like, is the car in distress? Is it leaking gasoline? Is it at risk for blowing up? She doesn't know. So that's not no longer an option. Right. So um, in actuality, though, we will come to find out that the car was perfectly fine. Uh, Unharmed, upright position, just off the road. And again, there's no way for the dispatchers no idea so the dispatcher asked to speak with janelle maybe hoping that she could guide them to their location janelle sounded very disoriented and said can i talk to the apartment complex they might know so she was even you know less information and help than michael was i can't think of a drug that would do this that's crazy so 15 minutes sorry, later, I, crazy. I just like this whole situation. No, it's, I know you're not saying they're crazy. This is a terribly sad and chaotic situation. So 15 minutes later at about 2 a.m., Michael could be heard telling Janelle to get up and the dispatcher is worrying. She's asking him, is she starting to lay down? And Michael said, yes. And again, asked that somebody, please, he's crying in desperation. And you can hear him like, Baby, please get up. You're my girl. And it was just so sad. Because she's slowing down from this, the cold. Oh, it was freezing outside. And Patty encouraged them to stay in the shack, stay out of the cold. She asked him if he had done drugs that night, and, and he said he hadn't. And he said that they were at an old abandoned lakefront area where they have cattle and an old gravel pump set up. His last came called uh, came through at 4.20 in the morning. At this point, Janelle and Michael would have been out in sub-zero temperatures for at least four hours. This wow. is desperate. Sub-zero, that's, that's amazing. They even lasted like that long. I know. Long. And the call lasted less than two minutes. It was very rushed. He said, hey, this is Mike Wamsley. I have just escaped. Please come get me. The dispatcher asked, are you out walking again? And Michael responded, yeah, it's okay, though, because the whole thing will change tomorrow everything's going to fit officers combed the county hoping the couple and had somehow found some sort of shelter to protect themselves from these horrible conditions so eventually their truck was found authorities came across a small amount of crystal meth it was 90 percent pure 90 percent based on breaking bad that's really high Yes. Wow. And Michael's body was found the next day. It was January 6th. His body was covered in snow. There was an intensive search for Janelle, and her body was eventually found the day after Michael's funeral, which was six days later on January 12th. It was at the edge of a sandpit lake, a half mile from where Michael's body was located. They were both within two miles of their warm truck. Oh and my God. Like they could have just gone yes. to their truck. If and they sat had there. stayed in their truck, they would have easily made it through the night. Oh my they God. say when you're in a snowstorm, just make sure that the tailpipe doesn't become blocked with snow, but otherwise you're safe. Just stay where you are so that you can be found. As long as you have gas. You're and good. they did. They had more than a half tank of gas. Mm. Inside the car, they were, um, they had plenty of warm clothes too. Their winter coats were in their car. They were not wearing them. So Michael was wearing jeans and a hooded sweatshirt. Janelle was wearing jeans, high heeled boots and a hooded shirt absolutely not clothing fit for this kind of weather uh, just a hooded sweatshirt and just a shirt like that in sub-zero it was negative 10 with the windshield i can't believe that they would last like two hours mm-hmm. let alone four it was at least four wow so they both tested positive for meth and the levels indicate that it was taken about two to three days before they called 911. Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? So I was listening to a YouTube um, video about this, 
And one of the comments said he was Mike was a great friend of mine. He was a great guy. I hung out with him at a bar the day before this happened. We played pool. He was not intoxicated. He was not confused. Well, no meth like only lasts a short amount of time from my understanding. Well, this was two to three days after they had used. Did you do any research on like how meth can feel? Like- I just took the toxicologists and, you know, the yeah. medical examiner's reports. Jeez. I mean, from my understanding, meth is kind of like cocaine, like a cheaper version of cocaine. Um, and probably, you know, it makes you feel good and all that stuff. And you feel like you can do anything. And like, not that, uh, I don't know. If you I'm going to tell you more about meth okay, too, good. just because I didn't know a lot. So Michael's, um, they tested the amounts in their system. Janelle had a lot more in her system than Michael did. So Janelle had 495 nanograms per milliliter versus 127 in Michael's body. So quite a bit more. And a suffi- this was a sufficient amount for either of them to cause anxiety, hot flashes. And the reason why I say hot flashes is because they weren't wearing their coats. They went out in the cold. Your natural instinct would be to put on a coat, but they may have been having a hot flash where the coat in- or the cold initially could have felt good to them. Sure. Then they got disoriented and couldn't find their way back to the truck. Yeah. So it can cause confusion, hallucinations. Because again, you're saying all this time passed, this amount was still in the bodies and there's no way they had any that day they are saying two to three days before well if there's if if that much can cause hallucinations then how i don't know i guess maybe it's not to synthesize very quickly i don't know so doesn't make sense it's likely that they were physically unable to stay still in the safety and confines of their truck because when you're under this kind of duress your instinct is to flee you want to get out of these confined spaces and just get out of there they were very agitated they panic attack they just wanted to get out of there sure so they they were unable to just wait in the safety of the car to help to get help because of the nature of the drug so they also found marijuana and nicotine in their toxicology screens. So Michael's brother, Chris, had suspected that he was using drugs. He even confronted him about using crystal meth. Uh, Chris was pretty confident that Michael had tried meth based on some of the comments that he had made about trying different drugs. Just before Thanksgiving or around Thanksgiving, Chris had spoken with Michael because, again, this is just after the new year. He had said to him, urging him to think about his future. He said, whatever you're on, Michael, think about this in the long run. And the belief about what he was saying with seeing 100 to 200 people is that the area where they were um, you know, confused and walking around had a lot of cattle. And they think that maybe through the snow and the dark, they saw these cattle standing there and believed them to be a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. So that's the thought on that one. So, and, you know, he's t- probably calling out to these cows like, help, help. Oh, they're not helping me. They don't speak English. That's what that was suspected to be. Man, these are some major league hallucinations. Like, yes, major. Yes. This is like, I, I would imagine, like mushrooms. I would have to guess mushrooms and. Because, like, I, I really, I don't know a lot about meth, but it doesn't, I don't think it would do that kind of stuff. And you got, obviously, these well, are they toxicology. Well, they have the full toxicology screen. Yeah, these are toxicology experts, mm-hmm. so let's lean on them. But, well, yeah. <laughs> and are, then they said the amount that were in their blood could absolutely cause these kind of hallucinations. Hmm. So, um, it's like a lot of paranoia with meth. There's a lot of times, like, when I would sometimes watch um, Intervention, which I, I just can't bring myself to watch it anymore. They would be standing in the window and just thinking people were coming to get them. There was so much paranoia. 
And, you know, that's probably what was happening here. While they were high or like while they were, you know. Like Again, this was days after the fact. No, I mean like on the par- Oh, the and show. the show, this was while they were high. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Like, if, I guess that makes more sense. But mm-hmm. like that amount of just hallucination doesn't make sense to me. I, well, I don't know. So Janelle's mom, Twyla, does not blame Michael for her daughter's death. She's confused by it, but she knows that he was always so kind and respectful to Janelle. And just the way he was speaking to her while he was on the phone with 911, you could tell he was very, like such a good, sweet soul. Yeah, like it sounded like they loved each other. Yeah. Genuinely. Oh, it's just so sad. It's, like you mentioned, like you started, you said senseless just stuff. And here, this one's <laughs> senseless. This is completely like they could have been just fine. I know. Nobody did, like, in so many of our stories, it's some absolute dipshit moron that is coming at people and, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is just them. Like, they, they did this Just themselves. the two of them, you know. So, anyway, just to give you a little background on meth, just because I didn't know a whole heck of a lot. I watched Breaking Bad and stuff like that. I've seen Intervention. But, so, methamphetamine was first synthesized by a Japanese chemist in 1893. That's where it all came from. Oh, I remember you asking me, mm-hmm. when do you think meth started? <laughs> yeah. So, early on, it was used to treat narcolepsy and asthma. It was used in World War II to keep the troops awake. So, after the war, its use dramatically increased, even after it was outlawed in the U.S. in 1979. So it's an upper. It's three and a half times more powerful than cocaine. It's snorted, swallowed, smoked, or injected. It affects the central nervous system. A form of the drug, methamphetamine hydrochloride, is actually an FDA-approved control drug that's prescribed. It's used um, to treat ADHD, obesity, um, the high from math can start and fade quickly. So this encourages people to go on binges. Yeah, you got to keep on getting it. That's why, you know, it's like, oh, I need more. I need more. Mm-hmm. And this oftentimes leads to sleep deprecation, like deprivation. deprivation. I'm sorry, de- not deprecation. So that's another suspected thing, that they may have gone on a bit of a binge and not have slept. Yep, I so, can see that. Lack of sleep paired with the drug, paired with hypothermia, it's like the perfect storm Still, within the storm. I do not believe that they weren't actively high on meth at that time. So I'm just going by what a medical examiner and toxicologist said versus Mike Pernecki here, who <laughs> apparently has gotten his medical uh, MD. Yeah, I don't M- get it. Michael P. MD here. I mean, maybe that lack of sleep after over two or three days could definitely do that stuff. I could see that. So but. oftentimes people who are on a mouth binge, they don't sleep, they don't eat, they continuously take the drug every few hours, staying up for several days at a time. That's very typical in a binge. So meth- Just like cocaine. Like you, people get on cocaine binges. It's like, man, we stayed up for three days in Vegas with mm-hmm. coke. And it's like, Ugh. well, they I've say never like done- I went out on a bender. Yeah, I've never done cocaine or meth or any of that stuff. But yeah. So meth increases the amount of dopamine in your brain, which plays a role in how we feel pleasure. It's highly, highly addictive because you get this dopamine rush. People can get hooked after one use. I read that time and time again on different sites. So just one use can cause this addiction. Um, Use can cause paranoia, hallucinations, confusion, violence, memory loss, anxiety, a decline in your appetite, which leads to extreme weight loss. Prolonged use of um, this drug causes your dopamine system to just completely get out of whack. So oftentimes, if you're addicted to meth, you are only experiencing a sense of happiness when you're high on the drug, Yeah, which again, it just only you know, continues the vicious cycle of the addiction. And I watched a lot of videos about it. And it was that one video about the whole faces of meth. It was where, you know, because when it came across the US, these officers were like 
learning about it for the first time and they're seeing repeat offenders and they're looking at their mug shots over say 10 months one year three years in the course of three years some of these people literally aged about 40 years yeah i mean you see it all the time unrecognizable and at my hospital if i have to go in and see um a drug addict you know, with somebody that's using meth, there are times I think I'm in the wrong room because I'm going into a 30-year-old's room and I think I'm in a 65 or 70-year-old's room. And I'm not just saying that. I'm not being facetious. It actually looks like they're close to 70 years old. Oh, because it rots away their teeth and they, you know, they're super skinny and bony and mm-hmm, just like no it, health and they it, haven't eaten. It really suppresses the appetite. So you just stop eating. So it also leads to meth mouth and this um, will lead to eventually to your teeth literally just decaying and falling out of your mouth. Ugh, so this happens because meth slows your salivary glands. It causes extreme dry mouth. It also increases your sugar cravings, though also on top of it, when you're highly, highly addicted to a drug like this, you're not taking care of yourself. You're not brushing your teeth. You're not going to the dentist for your checkup. So you're all of this leads to, you know, oftentimes you'll see with anyone that's addicted to meth or they're missing teeth. I've had 25 year olds that have full sets of dentures because they're addicted to meth. So it also causes hyperactivity that can increase your teeth clenching and grinding, which leads it to fallout as well. It also causes skin issues and sores. Usually from hallucination, people think that there's imaginary bugs under their skin. So they're itching, itching, itching and causing these sores. So oftentimes when you see these um, the mug shots, you're going to see that these people have sores on their face as well. I always say to my my coworkers, like, ah, why would you get onto a drug that causes your teeth to fall out and like your skin to look like this? Because you're not thinking that. You're no, thinking you're a quick thinking high. That. You're like, I'm going to get a quick high and this will be fun and whatever. We're going out. We're going to have a good time. And then it's just like, oh, yeah. I'll just get a little bit more. Eh, okay, okay. Let me get meth one more weekend. Okay, I'll spend mm-hmm. 100 bucks this weekend. I guess it's a lot cheaper than cocaine too. So yeah. it's cheaper, it's you get cheaper a bigger high. It's cheaper and it's a bigger high. Yeah. And it's just so sad. Like, that's why I can't watch Intervention anymore because you see what, what they were. And like in the video that I was watching, it was this guy, he was a star athlete and he tried meth and he was in the track team he threw like the the record for the school like javelin toss is how do you say that javelin javelin toss and you know he just everything in his life was taken from him because of his meth addiction thankfully he did get clean but it's just it's just so sad these good solid people just it, they lose everything yeah through some boredom finding some drug to do together and before you know it dead from being frozen yeah. and janelle's mom twyla said that she had no idea that michael was using drugs she couldn't imagine what had happened she saw janelle as well as michael in the early evening of new year's eve only just a few days before this happened she did not notice anything concerning she said that janelle was in good spirits that they were sleeping normally they had normal sleep patterns they were playing games with the kids. She was excited for what the new year could potentially bring. It's unclear what transpired during the days of Janelle's school break from the new year until January 4th when they went missing. They attended several parties during this time. Captain Raleigh Yost of Sarpy County led the investigation of the couple's disappearance. He, again, they, it was suspected they had done the drugs at one of the parties right around New Year's Day. 
and he knew of their whereabouts and that they had gone to a party where the drug was drug use was confirmed was of course are asking around to their friends where were they who were they with to get to the bottom of where did they get these drugs from so he felt that it was possible that janelle had tried meth for the very first time that night Uh because there was absolutely no reason for anyone to suspect that she had been using for other periods of time because she was not acting erratically at all usually you can tell like yeah significant weight loss or just like not wanting to be around as much Mm -hmm. you know bizarre behaviors skittish not sleeping not eating you could you know you can tell and so they believe that right around one of these new year's parties is when the first time she ever tried the drug so new year's party and when did this happen the fourth wow that's why they're saying about three days so maybe went on a bender that's i I could see it that as the the main Mm -hmm. main way this well and they do say that the lack of sleep really exacerbates it yeah so investigators tracked down the source of the meth they arrested a mother and a son who lived in kearney nebraska where they were so so it's believed that they were possibly driving from their drug location because that's what I was trying to figure out was wh- why were they in Kearney, Nebraska that day? You know, I know that they had partied over there um, on right around New Year's, but why were they there that night? Maybe they were going to get more drugs. We yeah. don't know. But my um, iPad thing just died. So I'm going to do the best I can with the rest that I have. So they did arrest a mother and son. They were 56 years old and 19 years old. I'm at the very end. So you're good. But thank you, Mike, for trying to do the damage controls if I don't know how to turn on a Kindle. <laughs> so, um, you know, Janelle's sister, Jan, had spoken at her funeral she really really wants something to change within the 911 system to be able to better locate people because this is not a sole incident that people are in a location they don't know where they are they're lost and that their deaths could have been completely prevented had they been able to be found so i know nebraska um i'm i think it was like somewhere around 2019 they had gotten like two million dollars to put into their system to better locate people here's the uh thing i I restarted it for you there you go thanks mike it's working now i would bumble through life like bumping into walls if if i would i don't know how i existed for six 16 years before I met you. Hey, I don't want to think about I must have been a bumbling fool. But back to the story. So, so her sister wants some changes to somehow be made. She wants something positive to come from this horrifically tragic thing that happened that people can better be found in, in various cases. Like I mentioned the woman whose husband had a heart attack. They're at a soccer field. She does not know the address. Her husband died because attention didn't get to him soon enough. It's because you're in an urban area. Uh, uh, rural. Rural. Sorry, rural area. So it's it's not their fault. Obviously, they deserve as much safety as the rest of us that aren't in rural areas. But it's it's tough. I don't know. Like, well, I don't know what the you you can't build more cell towers because they're useless because there's not enough people there. Yeah, I don't know. Something about the you know you can tap into like if you're an AT and T user somehow you get it like in an emergency life and death situation you can tap into the exact GPS location. I don't know exactly, but you know obviously when in some of the articles I was reading this may have been years ago they were saying. Like at one point, seventy percent of calls from to nine one one were on cell phones. Then it was eighty percent. I mean, you would think at this point it's got to be like, almost, oh yeah. Somebody asked me the other day, do you, have, do you have a home calls? phone? I'm like, no. Who has a home phone? That's crazy. So basically, what I'm saying is the majority of nine one one calls are being placed by cell phones. People are on the go. It was different when they were on landlines. You could trace the call. Right. So the point is now we've got our cell phones. We're on the move. We might not know our exact location. If I'm driving, you know, from Florida to Chicago and I'm in some mountain town of Kentucky, I couldn't give you a faintest clue of where I am if I stopped right then and there and there wasn't a mile marker. I yeah. could say I'm on ice. 
I-75 or whatever. You could have some app that's like, you know, small enough to be installed on all phones or something that has to be installed. And it can't be spyware because, you know, you don't want privacy. Right. But only it'll be activated in emergency In an situations. emergency life and death situation. Yeah. So Janelle's sister also went around speaking to different churches and schools and things like that about her sister's story, telling kids, you know, this seriously, this can happen if you touch drugs. My sister... Did not do drugs. She tried it one time. She She's no longer with us. There's a meme that's like, you know, meth, not even once. And it's like a joke, like somebody and then somebody else and whatever. But it's like, you know, the second picture is worse, much, much worse. But mm-hmm. seriously, like meth, don't, if you are even close to being somebody who's addictive or anything, any, any person out just there. Just don't go anywhere near don't it. Don't touch meth, man. It is, meth and heroin are like my two, just don't ever touch them. I'm just not, I'm not interested in drugs at all. Um, my drug of choice is Advil if I have cramps or a headache, but you know, I just, I'm not interested in drugs, but, um, and then, um, Janelle's parents, they decided to do an interview. I forgot. I think it was discovery channel. And I could be wrong because again, my computer crapped out, but to talk about Janelle's story, it was called like the most dangerous drug or something like that was a special that it was on. Oh, absolutely. Meth and heroin, the two most dangerous drugs. I mean, without a doubt, we well, see obviously th- prescription drugs too, sure. you know, but that yeah, yeah, uh, illegally purchased. Yeah. And that's, just, I would put those in the same as meth because mm-hmm. it's really the kind of the so same addictive, idea, you know, people get into a car accident. They hurt their back and all of a sudden they're addicted to pain medication. It's, it's so unfortunate. Like, you know, good people just have their lives destroyed. And with that, their families' lives are destroyed. Yeah. So just terribly sad, unnecessary, well, let's no. remember Janelle and Michael here, and hopefully, Absolutely. you know, if you can, can talk to your kids and family and stuff and friends, mm-hmm. just if, like if one death could be prevented from yeah. just talking about it, and that's what Janelle's sister was hoping—that something good can come from the tragic and senseless loss of these two young people. Right. So, well, hey, thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, then you can get even more episodes. We've got, I think, twenty bonus episodes available on our Patreon. Yeah, I think you've said twenty the past three. Yeah, maybe I have, and maybe it's twenty-ish. Okay? Who knows? Who knows? 20-ish. 20-ish. It'll continue to be 20-ish for another three or four weeks. So if you don't like it, you can stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Are you talking to me right now? Yeah, I am. And, Didn't uh, we just talk about not smoking things? Yeah, well, it, you know. Bad, bad reference tobacco, there. Yeah, it was. I'm sorry. So um, I want to say thank you to our three latest uh, patrons. It's Kristen, Tabitha, and Shawnee. And I would, you know what? You listening right now, I would like to say your name next week. So go yeah, ahead. Yeah, we would love to say your name. Yeah, sign up. It's a couple different levels. You can choose your own and uh, or just buy a t-shirt. And then uh, we're getting a lot of messages of people wearing our shirts and saying like, yeah, people are asking me about it, my coworkers and all that. And so thank you so much for spreading the word. It's so awesome and so powerful. We appreciate you being part of the Crime and Coffee Couple Club. Absolutely. And we've been ch- uh, brainstorming, chatting about doing something for our patrons just as thank yous. I'll tell you, if you so. like the show, you're very lucky because Allison is behind it. And she is dedicated like crazy. Like she is so into this whole thing. And I am too. But I mean, she's way better at things. I'm so. the ringleader. Yeah, man alive. You guys have some good stuff coming down the pike here. You so. know, sometimes when I can't sleep at one in the morning, the wheels are turning. You're going to be very glad you invested in this uh, podcast because of this young lady. Because of El Crazy over here. Is that yeah. what you're trying to say? Yeah. If, if you like what you're doing, she's going to bring you even more. So we got I, some good I li- stuff. I like doing this and I love you guys and I appreciate the hell out of you. And thank you so much for being here. And until next time. Bye. bye.